And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. Lots of stuff happening today as we uh, get ready to start the Tuesday market trading day. And of course, uh, tonight is uh, Joe Biden's State of the Union address. And so he'll be talking about the economy, his accomplishments, everything that he's done so far in terms of, uh, you know, building back America, right? This, that was his uh, whole plan when he took office, build back America. So the, well, tonight we'll get his State of the Union address talking about that. That should be interesting to watch. Um, for a variety of reasons. One, he made a comment yesterday. Uh, he was asked by a reporter. He says, uh, you know, do you take responsibility for inflation? He's like, no, that was already here when I got here, man. And, you know, the, the reality is, is that the day that Trump left office, uh, inflation was about 1.79%. Now it's 6.7, whatever it is. Um, but that was all a function of really, you know, and you've got to be clear about this, you know, and this is always the problem with whoever's in office is that they get the brunt of the blame for whatever happens, but nothing happens in isolation. Everything is part and parcel of what happened previously. And of course, when Trump was in office was when we shut down the economy and did the first round of injections. And that took time for all that monetary influx into the economy to show up in terms of inflation, right? So when Trump left office and Biden took over, yes, inflation was still very low, but the, the kindling for that inflation had already been put into place by a shutdown of economic demand as well as, or I should say an increase in economic demand because of the, the first round of stimulus. And then that's where they should have stopped, would have been okay probably at that point. But the subsequent rounds of stimulus really just continued to put the economy into overdrive. And that's really what led to a lot of the inflation that we saw. So really both presidents just as responsible for inflation uh, where we are today, um, but nobody will ever tell you that on television. So, you know, because they, they just want to tell you whatever's, whatever's the headline. Um, today also, um, we're going to get Jerome Powell out this morning talking, he's, he's making a speech this morning. Now, remember on last week, it was last Wednesday, the market had a very big surge Wednesday and, and Thursday, and then uh, sold off a little bit on Friday and a little bit more yesterday. Um, but that was on the back of basically a comment. Now, the Fed came out last week. We talked about this on Thursday with Michael Leibowitz. But the Fed came out last week and said, hey, we're still hiking rates, right? But... He made this one comment when he was asked in the presser, and this is really what sent the markets into to rally mode on Wednesday and then again on Thursday. He was asked about the market rally itself, and he says, well, we're re really not focused on financial conditions short term, which was basically kind of a dovish twist to something he had been saying because previously he had been very focused on financial conditions because those are working against what the Fed's trying to do in terms of slow the economy down and reduce inflation. Looser financial conditions lead to more economic growth. In fact, there's about a two-quarter lag between easier financial conditions and stronger economic growth. So the longer that this rally continues and eases financial conditions, that's going to potentially bring back economic growth sooner than what the Fed wants, which could lead to a resurgence in inflation. That's the Fed's big fear. 
He kind of flubbed that question when he was asked it in the presser last Wednesday. I would not be surprised today. Now, look, anything's possible, and, and you don't really know where Jerome Powell's head is half the time. I know what you're thinking, Brent, but <laughs> we're being politically correct on this show. <laughs> so, there you go. <laughs> but... I don't know where he's thinking half the time, but I would not be surprised if he comes out and kind of tries to correct that statement a little bit because that rally since then has further eased financial conditions. And again, if the Fed's goal is to try to tighten financial conditions to slow economic growth and inflation, he's not doing a very good job of that. Um, we, you know, we talked about this rally yesterday. Again, uh, you know, that has been very sharp. Markets are very overbought here. Look for a bit of a correction. Now, the good news is that we have had the market sell off in the past two days. Now, lots of headlines out already talking about, ah, see the market selling off. Yeah, it is. But both of these last two days have been what we call green candles. In other words, the market is closing higher than where they open, which means there's buying going on in the market. So despite the fact that the market has mildly pulled back over the last couple of days, it has actually been more buying than selling in that pullback. So pay attention to that because it's actually kind of bullish and supportive. Um, again, target for the for the S and P right now is somewhere right around 4,000, you know, 4,010, somewhere in that range. Uh, market should find support at that level. The 20-day is now well above the 50 and 200-day moving average, which also, as we noted yesterday, the 50, 200-day moving average have now crossed positive. So now you have that golden cross, um, technically speaking. Uh, going on with the markets as well. This, that, and that actual picture is emerging across other markets as well. Uh, small caps as well as the, the NASDAQ, you're seeing that same type of, of crossover, which has historically been fairly bullish for asset prices. Uh, the one thing to keep a watch on, as we talked about also yesterday, again, you know, our buy signals are still intact, and that's really what's been driving this market ever since. Uh, really uh, last December, and really going all the way back to October of last year, but this December to present rally has been on a very good buy signal. That signal is starting to weaken. It is very overbought, very extended, looking to kind of pull back here. So again, a bit of a correction in the market would not be surprising, which is why we reduced some risk last week. We'll probably reduce a little bit more later this week. We'll see kind of what the market does after today. But again, if we start getting a sell signal, you'll want to kind of reduce exposure, take some profits off the table, rebalance some risk. And again, you'll have another opportunity to put some capital back to work. But again, this is still a tenuous market. There's, there's still a lot of things, despite the fact that we're getting more bullish technicals, and this is really kind of the thrust of the article today uh, that is on the website for our, our, for our Tuesday take, is the technical fundamentals are, are, you know, are bullish. The fundamentals are bearish. And so how do those two work together? And one is a short-term view, one is a long-term view. So right now, you know, the fundamentals still are a challenge. Valuations are still high, 29 times earnings now. Valuations have been rising here over the last couple of weeks because earnings are going down. We actually have negative earnings growth for the S&P, but rising asset prices makes no sense whatsoever, but that's what's going on with markets right now. So while technicals are short-term bullish, the fundamentals are still a challenge 
as we go forward. So that article, though, is on the website. If you're subscribed to our mailing list uh, for our newsletter, you'll get a copy of that in the email today. We send out an email on Tuesday and one on Saturday. So subscribe to our newsletter if you want to be on that list. You can do that right at the homepage of our website, realinvestmentadvice.com. While you're there, by the way, also make sure you subscribe to our new Before the Bell channel. That's our three-minute video before the markets every morning, as well as this show. So while you're watching the show right now, click that little bell icon to so make sure you're subscribed. We appreciate the views. And of course, we want to keep you up to date. So that's all on our YouTube channel. But you can find all of our free subscriptions um, right there on our homepage, our daily market commentary, so much more at our website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Okay, enough of the shameless plug. Um, <laughs> help us out, man. Help us out. Um, <laughs> but pay attention to what's going on here. Again, uh, markets are doing nothing wrong. Um, getting tons of emails with, you know, kind of the end of the world, doom and gloom. Markets are doing nothing wrong right now. Again, doesn't mean things can't get worse later on, but we have to trade the market we have, not the one that we want. So just right now, markets are doing okay. They're not doing a lot, but they're 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 okay. And and again, you know, there's no real big, you know, boogaboo sitting out there waiting to just strip the carpet out from underneath investors that is, is readily apparent. Could it happen? Sure. Probably not gonna be a Chinese balloon. But we'll be back after the break. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll talk about technical fundamentals, technicals versus fundamentals, what matters now, what will matter later. That's coming up on The Real Investment Show. Don't go away. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Is your partner cheating on you? Financial infidelity is a relationship buzzkill and a wealth destroyer. Just in time for Valentine's Day, our next Candid Coffee will address how to avoid financial infidelity. Saturday, February 11th with Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff. Build trust, improve your money talk, and pillow talk. Register today at realinvestmentadvice.com. How to avoid financial infidelity. Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. Realinvestmentadvice.com. Real Investment Show. This is going to test my resolve. I've got to fix something here real quick. Uh, technically on our WordPress site while I'm doing a radio show. So, this is going to this is going to challenge just how efficient I am at multitasking at the same time we're doing a radio show. So what could possibly go wrong with this, right? Um, you know, it was, it was kind of interesting, you know, this whole Chinese balloon situation uh, that, that occurred because, you know, everybody's all kind of impressed about, you know, the, of course, we flew in, you know, a pilot flew up, shot a $300,000 missile at a balloon, you know. But that was because it snuck past our West Coast balloon defense system, which was the Seattle Space Needle. Um, <laughs> snuck past. Snuck past. Because it was moving so fast. <laughs> it really was. 17, that was like 17,000 miles an hour, something like that, at 50,000 oh, feet. In the, yeah. in the jet stream. Yeah. Yeah, 58,000 yeah. feet. Yeah, that's crazy that's fast for a balloon <laughs> and you you know when you went outside and launched your balloons into the air as, right. a, as a kid after yeah. a birthday party wonder mm -hmm. where they went yeah there you go they, they never made it that they're far, in by china 
<laughs> Y'all been sending them over here for decades. We're just sending a few we back. We finally had enough to make one. <laughs> anyway, um, okay. So a couple of things talking about technicals versus fundamentals. Uh, that's going to kind of really be the the big issue going forward. And this is the big challenge right now with investors because, you know, it is, you, know, you have to admit, it is a little bit confusing because, you know, you read plenty of the headlines right now and, and you know, it's, it's like I said, you know, I, I just, I've been inundated with these emails regarding a video from, uh, uh, from, uh, uh, Jim Rickards, who basically was just discussing the end of the world as we know it. And and again, you know, things, sure, things could certainly happen. But right now, there's not a lot of evidence of, you know, a complete disaster coming down the road. Now, could it? Sure. Right. But we can always predict for the worst. The question is, is whether or not the worst ever happens. And generally, more often than not, and as I said this, I, I discussed this the other day, is that, you know, the worst, you know, generally never comes to fruition. And, and this happens in our daily lives, too. You know, something, you know, we get this phone call. It's like, oh, I've got to tell you something about your son. And immediately your brain just jumps to the worst possible outcome. And then it turns out that it was no, it's no big deal, right? Just whatever it was. But, you know, when you get these kind of innocuous phone calls or messages, you know, I hate when you get home and, you know, your wife says, when I get home, we need to talk. It's like, oh, God, <laughs> what happened now? You know, and then she comes home and says, I got to tell you what happened at work today. You know, whatever it is. And, and, and But our brain just naturally is human beings. We just go to the worst possible outcome. And so when you hear data that certainly sounds bad, right, our, our, our nature is, is to look at the worst possible outcomes. Oh, we're going to be in a depression. You know, the world's coming to an end. The dollar's going to collapse, go to zero. Those things just generally never happen. Now, does that mean that things won't get marginally worse, right? Could we still have a recession? Yes, right? That's it's still a real possibility, but it doesn't mean that financial calamity is just around the corner. Now, if something like that is going to occur, we'll have plenty of time to see it coming, by the way. It's not just going to, you're not going to go to bed one night and everything is fine. The next morning, you know, it's just going to be, you know, all out. Now, it's, you know, even back in 2008, yes, Lehman Brothers, you went to bed on a Friday night, you woke up on Saturday morning, Lehman Brothers filed for bankruptcy. But the clues, the signs, the concerns were well documented in the markets going back to June, right? Even back to March when Bear Stearns filed for bankruptcy. And, and was sold off to, uh, they never actually filed for bankruptcy, sorry. They were sold off for $2 a share near bankruptcy uh, <laughs> at the time. But there was plenty of evidence that there was something seriously wrong within the financial markets. And that's why back in 2008, we were out of the markets really early because it was just clear that something was going to happen. Same thing in March of 2020. Markets were so extended, so deviated. We were writing articles, hey, we're taking money out of the market. This is crazy. You know, and then March of 2020, you know, we had recession signals going on. We go, this just, none of this makes sense. And there was plenty of warning signs. March of 2020, we shut down the economy, pandemic, blah, 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 right? So, I mean, there's plenty of evidence of this stuff occurring if you're just paying attention to the signs. And right now, we just don't have any of that. Yes, we have inflation, but it's coming down. But economically speaking, financially speaking, there's just no real signs of cracks, right? Credit spreads aren't jumping out. You don't have... 
you know, uh, you know, just, you know, big financial indicators showing that there's a lot of stress in the financial markets. Doesn't mean we can't have a recession. Doesn't mean that things can't slow down. Doesn't mean that the market won't go down some. I'm not saying that at all. But if you're banking on a 50% decline, it's probably not going to happen here. Unless something changes over the next few months. And that's certainly possible. Again, uh, you know, it's naive to say nothing bad is ever going to happen because bad stuff happens all the time. You know, those once in 100 year events tend to happen every few years. But, you know, so you've got to be aware of that. But again, banking on that to happen, you know, has been a losing bet more often than not. And again, if something does happen, even if you miss the initial crack, right? So you, you were 100% long equities going into the Friday night before Lehman files for bankruptcy. The next morning, Lehman files for bankruptcy, market's down, you sell, right? You would have avoided the next 20% down in the markets by doing that. So, you know, even if the event occurs, you still have time to make adjustments to your portfolio. But so this is where we are today, though. The technicals are telling us one thing. Fundamentals are telling us another thing. And so the question is, is how do we navigate that? And, and the question is kind of like picking up a porcupine. You do it very carefully. And, you know, again, from a bullish standpoint, and I have this chart here, uh, Brent. So from a bullish standpoint, you've got an inverse head and shoulders pattern, which is typical of a market bottoming process. The markets have turned above the, the downtrend line from January 2022 highs. The 50 days crossed above the, the 200 days. So you've got a golden cross in place. These are all just very bullish signals. And so technically, the market is, is acting very positive. And so we have to give that some weight. We do have to give it some weight. Um, if we take a look at some of the other underlying indicators, the, our technical gauge that we post every week in our newsletter is back towards more bullish levels. Generally, when you're above 70 on that indicator, you're kind of in bull mode territory. And it, it's got room to, to run higher here in terms of, of technicals. So we're not extremely overbought yet. And this is a weekly gauge. Uh, it's a weekly composite, so it's slow to move. It combines several technical indicators all together. So it's telling you what this gauge is telling you is that the bullish function or the bullish structure to the market clearly is prevalent. and you know, this also goes with our, our market fear greed index. Now, this is different. You know, I get a lot of people say, well, your, your index is different than CNN's fear greed gauge. Yeah, it is different. It's to calculated totally differently. The one thing I don't like about the CNN fear greed gauge is that it uses the S&P as a component of its measure. So if, if you're trying to measure fear in the market, you're using the market to measure fear and greed in the market of the market you're marketing, right? So, you know, you know so this doesn't have anything to do with the S&P. It's, it's how people are invested, right? Their attitude, their sentiment, their positioning, equity exposure versus cash exposures, those type of things. So what I'm looking what – what this index is telling you is that from a positioning standpoint, investors are becoming – both retail and professional are becoming much more aggressively positioned in the market. That's bullish. And that also shows up in the bullish percent index, which I don't have a copy of here. Um, I thought I did. Uh, the bullish percent index is the number of stocks on bullish buy signals. That is also at a more, much more bullish level as well. So, again, you know, from a technical standpoint, the, the, the technicals are telling you there's absolutely nothing wrong with the markets right now. 
you're in kind of a bullish mode after having a negative year last year. That's also not uncommon. So again, we have to look at the technicals for what they are. Right now, technicals are bullish. Fundamentals are a problem. And, but fundamentals have a longer-term impact. Technicals are very short-term, right? And I was just talking about early in the first segment that markets are very overbought. You have a pullback. Fundamentals are a different story. That's a longer-term outlook. And yes, fundamentals are, are challenging. We've gone from 27 times earnings to 29, almost 30 times earnings since January. That's a big multiple expansion in just a couple of months. It's also putting valuations at, you know, back, and, and they never got out of it, but, you know, we're still at very elevated levels, valuations at some of the highest levels ever in history in terms of valuations. So what we're paying for stocks is still very expensive. And that's certainly a challenge longer term because at some point, valuations are going to have to reflect what's happening with earnings and earnings are dropping markedly. This is, and this is, I track earnings from the S&P. And this goes back to May of last year. And just looks at different snapshot periods, May, July, August, December, February the 1st. And what you can see is that earnings have been dropping markedly. The estimates have been dropping markedly ever since. We've gone from 242 to $199. 180 is about the target for where this these earnings should bottom. So we still got a ways to go here. And valuations certainly aren't reflecting earnings, which are currently trading still 20% above their long-term growth trend. So fundamentals just don't support what the technicals are telling us. But it doesn't mean that both are wrong. One is just short-term. One is longer-term. And they could both wind up being right. Be right back after the break. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com is your partner cheating on you Financial infidelity is a relationship buzzkill and a wealth destroyer. Just in time for Valentine's Day, our next Candid Coffee will address how to avoid financial infidelity. Saturday, February 11th with Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff. Build trust, improve your money talk, and pillow talk. Register today at realinvestmentadvice.com. How to avoid financial infidelity. Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. Realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. And welcome back to the show this morning. So just talking a little bit about technicals and fundamentals. And, you know, this is why, you know, it's important to have an overlay of both, you know, and, and you know, one of the mistakes that, a lot of investors are running into right now. And again, there's there's plenty of bearish commentary, you know, out in the markets right now. The world's coming to an end and, you know, the dollar is going to zero and, you know, we're going to be at World War Three any time now. And, and, you know, certainly anything is possible. But I was saying in the last segment, you know, the worst case scenarios generally never happen. You know, it doesn't mean things can't be bad, right? I mean, just, you know, the world just doesn't end. And, but technicals, the market 
will give you those signals as to when those concerns are becoming or are coming to fruition. And right now, those technicals are telling you exactly the opposite. Let me give you a good example. Go back to 2008. It's a good example. Back in 2008, <clears throat> the markets had formed a, a very nice, clear topping pattern, uh, May, March, April, May, June, and broke that topping pattern, came back up to it, failed, and then turned lower. And that was a clear indication that markets were going to go lower. By the way, had that same pattern at the beginning of 2022 that we completed in March and the markets went lower. So topping patterns in the market can tell you a lot about risk, you know, being risk on or risk off. And that's why when we saw that topping pattern at the beginning of January of, of 2022, we talked about going to, you know, we cut our exposure down to 30, you know, cut our exposure in half. We went to 35% equities and we, we were warning about it then. Took a lot of profits and stuff, et cetera. Now, the markets went lower. Now, the thing is, is that everybody's very negative on markets, and markets are doing just the opposite. In fact, they formed a very important bottoming process, as we were talking about in the last segment, and have turned higher. So markets are trying to tell you something, right? Don't know what it is for certain, but we have to pay attention to what the markets are trying to say. Yes, could the markets be entirely wrong? Absolutely. They're just often not. And as we've talked about before, markets tend to bottom before earnings do. Markets tend to bottom before the economy does because markets tend to price in the worst possible outcomes. And so you have to ask yourself the question is, if your view is extremely negative, what is the market not agreeing with you on? See, this is the challenge that Mike and I go through every single day and, and Nick when we're working on our portfolio allocations. What are we buying? What are we selling? Now, right now, markets are very overbought. We're going to have a little correction here. That's, you know, that's given. So, you know, that's why we took some profits last week, reduced our equity exposure for that. And we'll let the market kind of guide us from here. But you have to give credence to the fact that there's some economic data that is beginning to actually improve. In fact, if you look at the Citigroup Economic Surprise Index, economic data has been coming in better than expected. Now, it doesn't mean it's good data, Right. But it's been coming in better than expected. So things aren't as bad as even what analysts were expecting. You know, the jobs report, we can dissect that nine ways to Sunday. A lot of seasonal adjustments and a lot of temporary jobs and that type of thing. But nonetheless, as an economic data point, it was good. You know, so these are the things. Now, does any of this mean, of course, that we're going to avoid a recession? Don't know. I will tell you this, though. We were on this show a couple of months ago, and I was telling you then, I said, and, and if, you don't if you don't believe me, Brent will verify this. I said, there's too many people expecting a recession. When everybody expects a recession, things tend to turn out differently. When all experts, Bob Farrell was one of the great technical technicians at Merrill Lynch for decades, and he had nine, 10 rules to follow, and we've written about his rules before on our website. Um, but one of his rules is, is that when all experts agree, something else tends to happen. And that's a very, very important rule to remember. When everybody, when, when CNBC is running headlines about recession, probably something else is going to happen. Now, the good news is 
now everybody's starting to move over to this soft landing camp, right? We're going to have this soft landing, no recession type environment. That's for me, that's perfect. Y'all all move over there so that we can have the recession, right? You can't have the recession if everybody's expecting one. Now everybody's starting to kind of move in this other direction going, hey, it's going to be a soft landing. It's a Goldilocks economy, by the way. Ben Bernanke said that in 2007. So it's actually kind of a good thing that everybody's moving in that direction. So we'll see what happens here. But yes, a recession is still very possible. Further earnings decline, very possible. That should drag down both earnings, I'm sorry, both valuations and market prices. That doesn't mean 50%, but it does suggest that we could have another drawdown this year, 5, 10, 15%. That would not be surprising, depending on what happens. And that'll probably be a really good buying opportunity to put money to work for coming out of whatever cycle we're in. We are getting very long in the cycle. So again, just by the very nature of how an economy works, you're going to go through this down cycle and economically, and then you're going to turn up and start to recover. So another down leg in the market would not be surprising at all. And that would actually give us a good opportunity to buy stuff that we want to buy. But there's no guarantee that's got to happen. Because again, a lot of this will depend on the Fed. You know, does the Fed acquiesce and stop hiking rates? Do they start cutting rates? Do they go back to doing QE? You know, all these type of things. There's, there's all these other variables that didn't exist previously in, in our world. Even prior to 2008, none of this stuff existed that we now have to factor into it. China. Their whole reopening and liquidity pushes, all that, that, that affects the global economy. Part of this rally in the market has been built on this idea of, you know, China's reopening. And that's going to put a whole lot of demand on, on the economy. That's going to help elevate earnings because we have to sell a lot of stuff to China. Vice versa, we'll buy a lot of stuff from China as they reopen up. So a lot of this rally has been based on that. But, you know, markets have just gotten a little bit ahead of themselves. Kind of gone too far too fast, so we need a little bit of a correction here. But so the point of the conversation is simply this, is, is look. It's okay to listen to guys like Jim Rickards and, and others that are, you know, like majorly in the bunker. Jim Rickards has been in the bunker for 13 years. So I respect the man very much. He's a very, very smart man. Don't think I'm knocking him at all. I'm just saying that, you know, he's had kind of a consistent view for the last 13 years. And rightfully so. Valuations, government interventions, you know, all this type of stuff. But all the stuff that was supposed to happen when you have this type of, of interference didn't happen. You know, John Hussman who runs the Husband Funds. Brilliant man. I mean, you know, you there is nobody in the markets probably as smart as John Husman. Performance has been terrible on his fund because he's been banking for a valuation reversion that hasn't occurred because of all this monetary stimulus, Fed interventions, zero interest rates, all that type of stuff. So my, so my point is, is that just because 
somebody says something that is extremely bearish doesn't mean it's got to happen, which is why we have to try to just navigate this as best we can and, and again, mitigate risk where we can. And when you mitigate risk, you're going to give up some performance. There's no way around that. But it's better than the alternative. So just try to counterbalance. When you hear something really, really bearish, just and this is this is kind of our daily exercise in our shop, right? You know, we hear that we we listen to all these guys. We listen to everybody. And we read everything. Between Mike and I and Nick, we read a lot of stuff every day. That's the majority of our day is research. We have to counterbalance each of those views with an opposing view and try to determine what is most likely accurate and then comparing that between the technicals and the fundamentals. Because technicals are what drive us short term, fundamentals what drive us long term. And in the short term, markets can do stuff that has makes no sense whatsoever. And that's what we have to deal with. So there's this new uh, series on HBO called The Last of Us. Have you heard about this, Brent? I'm probably the last of us to see it. <laughs> so it's based on a video game called The Last of Us. And basically it's a zombie apocalypse. And the premise is kind of interesting is that it is a fungus that mutates and inhabits humans and basically takes them over, turns them into zombies, and goes from there. And so it's kind of an interesting premise yeah. on how to create a zombie. Of course, now people are afraid of fungus. <laughs> now now wow. there's fears. Now there are fears because of this fictional show and video game. By the way, this video game has been out for years. And HBO just now made it. And because we've now made it into a, a, a movie, now people are afraid of a fungus among us. No pun intended. None, none whatsoever. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Again, a fungus among us does not mean that we're all going to turn into zombies. The worst possible outcomes do not always happen. So just relax a little bit here. All right. Be right back after the break. daily investment news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com is your partner cheating on you 
Financial infidelity is a relationship buzzkill and a wealth destroyer. Just in time for Valentine's Day, our next Candid Coffee will address how to avoid financial infidelity. Saturday, February 11th with Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff. Build trust, improve your money talk, and pillow talk. Register today at realinvestmentadvice.com. How to avoid financial infidelity. Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. All right, getting ready to wrap up the show this morning. So futures are pointing, uh, you know, a little bit, a little bit flat this morning right now. Uh, Chipotle Mexican Group is reporting earnings this morning, and uh, this is one expensive burrito. I've just, you know, this stock continues just to defy the laws of gravity. <laughs> These people make burritos, right? It trades right now <laughs> at. 60 times earnings and, you know, just uh, trades almost six times price to sales. I mean, just very expensive for a company that makes burritos. But nonetheless, I mean, it just it has been a really great investment over the long term. And in fact, you know, it's it's had a huge run in 2020, um, went from basically four hundred dollars a share to about eighteen hundred and still sits there today. I mean, it really did not have much of a correction last year, despite um, you know, the slowdown in the market, et cetera. So, you know, pretty amazing. I mean, but sales continue to grow for the company. I mean, they, they, they run a good shop um, for sure. Um, sales have grown over the last five years from uh, $4.48 billion to $7.5 billion. Uh, shares outstanding, pretty flat. They're not doing a lot of stock buybacks. But again, market, it's, it's very overbought right now. But uh, don't be surprised to see the stock try to move up a, a smidge after earnings. But again, this just kind of a, a just stock just has always amazed me as, you know, when I look at it and I can't own it because it's burritos and it trades at 60 times earnings. I just can't bring myself to buy it, even though technically I should. Right. And this is and this kind of goes back to the conversation about technicals versus fundamentals is that sometimes, you know, you just got to kind of look past the fundamentals and, you know, you've got momentum. And you've got the market chasing it. And that's just the way things are. And that can last for a very long time. Uh, this has lasted for three years uh, in the most recent run. Um, you know, so, so again, it's just been, it's been an interesting, you know, situation. Now, eventually, fundamentals will catch up. And, and, and particularly when it comes to restaurants, that always happens. There'll be a change of taste or something will come along and we've seen, you know, restaurants come and go over time and that happens. And, you know, Subway at one point was, you know, the leader and that was in the, in the Subway sandwich shop. And, you know, it's kind of faded a bit over years. So, you know, these are just kind of the things to, to pay attention to. But valuations matter and they do matter in the long term. Uh, so just something to think about. But anyway, they they report earnings today. Maybe um, uh, Chipotle could merge with One's a Meal <laughs> or Taco Bell because they are. <laughs> yeah, or Taco Bell. Yeah. <laughs> um, also reporting today, uh, British Petroleum. Uh, you know, 
major oils have been just cranking out you know huge profits not surprising because of where oil prices were that's going to be slowing down in the future but uh, again uh, bpo report today uh, dupont fortinet h&r block hertz um, kkr the private equity company uh, prudential uh, royal caribbean and uh, vf corp is all re all reporting today so again we're, we're getting this week um, will wrap up the majority of most of the S&P 500 earnings. So we'll have most of those in. And earnings have indeed weakened. Outlooks have indeed weakened a good bit. So we are starting to see the impact of slower economic growth. And, and really, it's the reversal of all the pandemic money that was given out to people. That's all been spent. Most of the pandemic savings have been have been spent and individuals are going further and further into credit card debt. So, you know, that's going to be a challenge to, again, so let's go back to the economic outlook, right? Which is the big challenge economically in, in an economy where we're 70% driven by consumption, roughly, it's like 68%, um, is that you have less inflows of capital. Wages really aren't keeping up with inflation. You, all the stimulus money has now been spent, and there's only so much that people can go into the into debt in order to you know maintain your lifestyle, and then eventually you just got to start making cuts, and that, and that's still probably coming. So we'll see. But this morning, uh, again, like I said, futures are kind of flattish this morning ahead of the Fed. Um, S&P's up like four, Dow's down 40, NASDAQ's up 43. So not, not, no real big changes coming right out of the gate. But again, everybody's kind of holding their breath to see if Powell comes out and says something, a little, you know, tries to basically walk back his, what was perceived to be dovish commentary. Really, his commentary was not very dovish. He, he said, we're still going to hike rates, that we're still focused on inflation, and we're going to hike rates to some point, and we're going to stop there. He didn't say anything about rate cuts. What took, you know, what sparked the market was this idea that he doesn't care about financial conditions in the short term, which I think was a misstatement. I don't think he meant to say that. Or at least he didn't mean for it to be interpreted that way because they do care about monetary policy and how tight it is because or loose it is and and loosening monetary conditions spurs economic activity, which is exactly what he doesn't want. The Fed's big fear, we've talked about this before ad nauseum, is that they don't want a resurgence in inflation, and that's the risk. So we'll see what happens. But that's that, that's kind of the big drivers today, so so we'll, we'll kind of you know keep a watch on this. Obviously, we'll talk some more about it tomorrow. Um, you know, the other issues... You know, kind of looking at today, there's a lot of speculative activity in the markets. And we talked about recently the zero, we, we noted this yesterday, those zero days to, op uh, days to expiration options, right? This massive surge in option trading. And it's interesting because all that speculative behavior of retail investors has come roaring back. You know, a few months ago, everybody hated Bitcoin. Now everybody's back into Bitcoin. And, and I hadn't had a Bitcoin email 
in probably a year <laughs> until it came roaring back to like 20,000. Now I'm getting emails from people going, I want to put all my money into Bitcoin because, you know, I don't, I don't want to be in stocks. I want to be in Bitcoin. And, and that's fine. It's just that's kind of that. Those are the emails that kind of tell you that we're getting back into that speculative frenzy of the market already. And that fear of missing out on the bottom and the fear of missing out on the rally, that's come roaring back. And, that's, and again, that's not normal for what you would consider to be in a bear market. And, and that's why, you know, one of the, the big challenges is noting that we're, we have not been in over the last year. We have not been in a bear market. In fact, I've got this chart that, you know, I've showed you before, which shows you the trend of the market. Since 1980, there's been very defined trends in the markets, which are bull markets. And, and then there's very clearly defined breaks in the markets, which are bear markets. 2001 and 2, 2008, clearly bear markets. We have only tested in this recent correction that long-term uptrend. Same correction line that we tested back in March of 2020. And, the, the, and, and why 2020 wasn't a bear market was because you tested that uptrend line from the 2009 lows and then immediately went back to new highs within like four or five months. That, that, that's not a bear market. That's not bear market behavior. That's not how a bear market acts. You don't have that type of things. It was just a big correction because markets had gotten very extended above long-term means. And that was what happened. Then, of course, after the stimulus, and you can see in the chart that following that correction in 2020 that tested that uptrend line, you rallied to basically just this big peak in the market that was well deviated above that long-term trend line. So a correction back to it was not surprising. And yes, it felt terrible. Markets were down 20%, but all it was was a correction. And, and we've talked about before, the markets work like physics, is that when you get too far deviated in one direction, it's going to eventually pull back to that trend line. And that's just a correction. Now, a bear market would be a break of that trend line that goes to some other level. And that hasn't happened yet. So for all of the angst and concerns and worries and everything else, we're still in a correction. And you also know you're in a correction by the sheer fact that everybody's trying to pile back in. In a real bear market, you go back to that chart and look at 2008 as an example. When you were at the bottom of the market in 2008, nobody wanted to own stocks. Everybody was done with investing. Nobody wanted to be in the markets, period. Same thing in 2001 and 2. At the bottom of that bear market, nobody wanted to be in the market. They were like, this is, that's a fool's game. Right now, people can't wait to get back into the market. They're like, man, if the Fed pivots, I got to be in the market. That's quick, easy money. Also tells you you're not in a bear market. That's a correction because you haven't changed the investor psychology of the markets. There's too much speculation. So anyway, um, get by the website. That article is on the website now. Make sure you subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You'll also get a copy of our Tuesday Take that comes out every Tuesday, obviously, called Tuesday Take. We email that to you. Uh, if you want our daily market commentary, subscribe to that. Our Before the Bell channel, subscribe to that. Of course, uh, this channel, 
please subscribe to this channel. We appreciate all of our viewers and followers. Make sure that you uh, like this video as well as click that little bell icon to uh, subscribe. And, and again, share it with your friends. More people, the better here. Um, all right, y'all have a great day. We'll be back here tomorrow for the Wednesday edition. I'll be speaking with Danny Ratliff about markets, a little bit about uh, taxes, financial planning, whatever it is. We always talk a lot about a lot of good stuff uh, with Danny tomorrow. Uh, so that's on the Wednesday edition of the show. That'll be up tomorrow morning. Um, and hang around because our Before the Bell will feature will be coming up in just a few minutes. Have a great day.